0: Now, in the second chapter of Luke, the traditional Christmas story, the second chapter of Luke's gospel. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank Thee that in the midst of the world in which we live, with its confusion, its disillusionment, its cynicism, It's wars, it's rumors of wars. In the midst of all of this comes the joyous and thrilling and glorious message of Christmas. All that is wrapped up in what we call the gospel. Good news for all men of all times in every circumstance. Good news to a prisoner. Good news to a hospital patient. Good news to a dying saint or sinner. Good news to those that are on battlefields. Good news to those of us that are in school, where we are searching for the deep truths in philosophy and psychology and all of our other disciplines. Good news because thou hast said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thou art the truth, the embodiment of all truth. And we thank thee for this revelation from thyself. And we thank Thee for the baby that was born, that grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And entering His public ministry, we thank Thee that He went about doing good. Teaching as one having authority, and then His willingness to go to the cross to take our sins. We thank Thee that He did not come down from the cross when He was tempted to, but stayed on the cross. And shed his blood and died. Because on that cross thou didst put our sins. And in him we find forgiveness. And we find a new life and a new dimension to life that the world knows nothing about. But we thank thee for the hope that he brought us from outer space. This visitor that came from another world. He brought us hope that he will someday return. And we are going to see another visitor coming to this earth at a very crucial time when the world is about to blow itself up. And in the midst of our hopelessness and despair, thou hast given us the promise that he shall return. And when thy kingdom is going to prevail throughout the world. until that hour, we pray that we will be kept busy working for thee, serving thee, witnessing for thee. And we pray today, that the message of Christmas, it's true and deeper meaning, will permeate all of our actions and all of our thinking and all of our conversation. And as we give and receive gifts around the Christmas tree on tomorrow night or on Tuesday morning, we pray that we will remember the greatest of all gifts. And we pray, though, that no gift is a gift until it's received. And we pray that each of us here today will receive from Thee The greatest gift of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Billy. Now let me read uh, our second lesson. Jesus was born at Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of Herod the king. After his birth, astrologers from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who is born to be king of the Jews? We observe the rising of his star, and we have come to pay him homage. King Herod was greatly disturbed when he heard this, and so was the whole of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the chief priests and uh, the whole of Jerusalem. Uh, He called the meeting of the lawyers of the Jewish people, and he put them this question, Where is that one who is to be the Messiah to be born? At Jerusalem in Judea, they replied, and they referred him to the prophecy which reads, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are far from the least in the eyes of the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a leader to be the shepherd of my people Israel. Herod next called the astrologers to meet him in private. He ascertained from them the time that the star had appeared. He then sent them on to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful inquiry for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I may go myself and pay him homage. They set out at the king's bidding, and the star which they had seen at its rising went ahead of them until it stopped above the place where the child lay. At the sight of the star, they were overjoyed, entering the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and bowed to the ground in worship to him. Then they opened their treasures, and they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned home another way. May God bless to us an understanding of this, his holy word. Dr. Billy Graham is a Baptist, and they always pass the plate to the Baptist. <laughs> so I have to go and give my gift. <laughs> you know, I have a thing about secular Christmas cards, and I usually rant and rave about it every year. And uh, as re- you see, the whole meaning of Christmas is the coming of Christ. And if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, you're no disciple of his. Uh, he said, if you're ashamed of me, one day I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And so I got this Christmas card. And when I got it, I looked at it and I thought, now, which one of my parishioners would possibly send me such a thing as this? Because it's got this picture of a guy in a nightcap with a toothbrush and a candle, a, 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 a candle and it says, it the night before Christmas and all through the house. And then I opened it up and it said, We were all praising the Lord. We're so glad he came. (laughs) So you see, I misjudged that one. I liked it so much I went out and bought some and sent it. (laughs) Now then, we want to talk today about the journey to Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Transliterated into English, the J-E stands for Jehovah God. S.U.S. would stand for Savior. And uh, thou shalt call his name Jesus. And there is a journey that takes place, a journey to get to Jesus. And this should be the real meaning of every celebration of the Christmas season. It should be a journey to come to Jesus. And the most remarkable of all of the journeys recorded in Scripture is not simply that of the humble shepherd folk that we heard about last Sunday who had only a few miles perhaps to traverse to get to the stable in Bethlehem and there to offer their praise to the blessed mother of our Lord and to God himself for his great gift of his son. They had heard an angel, and an angel had told them in no unmistakable words what they were to do and where they were to go, and they had gone and had seen God's miracle come to pass. And so we're thankful that God has revealed himself even to a even to people who are of the very humblest of origins, such as the shepherds. But God also reveals himself to others. If you are careful to read the story in Matthew and to read again the story in Luke, all which is carefully superintended by the Holy Spirit's power and is totally trustworthy and worthy of your belief and credence, you will see that God reveals himself unusually uh, to an old person whose name is Anna, one of those little people of christmas an ancient person who sees in that baby that is to be brought into the temple one who will be the consolation and the comfort of the people of god and if you see the aged simeon that old man with his white hair and his wrinkled frail and trembling hands hold in his arms that little baby later in the temple you will see that simeon predicts of this one That he is to be the redeemer, the reconciler uh, of God uh, to man. He is to be the one who will go to the cross. And it is Simeon who tells the blessed mother of our Lord that uh, she will have a sword that will pierce her heart. And that sword pierced her heart at Calvary when she saw Jesus die upon the cross. All of that is there too. And Dr. Graham's message in the White House beautifully brought it all together in the cradle, in the cross, and in the crown. And now we think about another class of people. We often forget about them. St. Paul is careful to tell us that not many wise and noble are called. He said not many, but he did not say not any. There are some wise and noble that are called unto salvation. And there are some that come from a great distance to get to the place where Jesus is born. And this is true of these who make their journey to the place where Jesus is born, whom we call the wise men. They come from an area that must have been that same place where Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were taken into captivity. And across those long, long, weary miles, they had come. I wonder about them and the reason of their faith. There was more than simply the star that they had seen in the sky. I am sure that they had the scriptures that Daniel himself had written. They knew of the ancient of days, and they knew that one day God's own Messiah would come. And although they are Gentiles, not Jews, as the others are in the Christmas message, they are called unto salvation through this Savior, Jesus who is to be born and they must make a long and wearisome journey to get to him They come from a great distance They knew about it of course from Daniel's scripture and maybe from other scriptures that they had read and they studied the Skies and they saw amazing things revealed in just a couple of weeks now all of the world will look toward the heavens and there will be great thought of a comet that comes close and many people will be watching and wondering if God is trying to tell us something in the stars. Well, God created a special star at this time, and this star led these men who already had a star of prophecy in their hearts to seek out Jesus. They had a reason for their faith. We have a more sure word of prophecy than they had, for we have the whole story of the birth of our Lord. We have all of the blessed gospel message recorded for us in the pages of the Bible. And yet what use do we really make of it at Christmas time? Do we study about it? Do we study what it means that God Almighty came into this earth in human flesh? Do we? And what difference does it make if he did? Have we really allowed him to take possession of our own lives and minds and hearts and live for him? These men made that long journey. I referred a moment ago to that trip to India years ago with Dr. Graham. I will never forget when we were riding in the airplane, and the pilot came on the uh, intercom, and he pointed out that we were flying over uh, close to Soviet Armenia, right on the border of Soviet Armenia over Iran. And you looked out at the snow-capped mountains that were there. And I thought at that time, That those men perhaps had wandered as far as even a ran all the way across to come to the place where the baby Jesus lay. How far have you come to get where Jesus really is? You cannot take him for granted. You cannot assume that because you were born into a family where people know and acknowledge Jesus is Lord, that he is really your Lord until you make him so. They made a journey. A journey God gave them a star when Jesus inaugurated his ministry he called some fishermen to follow him and the sign that he gave them was a great haul of fish when they threw out their net and when God wanted these wise men he gave them a star that they could see and this star was that by which he fetched them unto himself the steps that they took this journey did not come at a seasonable time of the year I'm sure that they would have preferred that it would have come at another time of the year, perhaps in the spring. Samuel Rutherford, that great old Christian in Aberdeen in prison, used to say when he shivered in his, in, in his cell of imprisonment there that grace grows best in winter, that in the hard and bitter cold damp cell in which he lay, a prisoner for Jesus Christ, Samuel Rutherford could think of the coming of Christ and say that all of the stones in his cell had shone red like rubies that night because Jesus was here in this cell with me. Can we say that and mean it at Christmas time? That Jesus is with us? That's the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God showing his love to us. They had come even in spite Of these circumstances that were so difficult to be negotiated and their inquiry when they got into the uh, place where they thought Jesus would be born they began to make a diligent inquiry they went into the city of Jerusalem where they knew was the temple they knew that in Jerusalem there would be the scribes they knew that in Jerusalem there would be the Pharisees they knew that in Jerusalem there would be sacrifices made And here these Gentiles, these people whose lands had overcome the Jews years before, now are humble enough to come to them and make a diligent inquiry about this one who is to be born. Have you searched the scriptures? Have you read in the book of Numbers that prophecy that God even puts into the mouth of an unworthy prophet by the name of Balaam, speaking of Shiloh? Speaking of a star of Jacob that would come, that's a prophecy concerning Christ, but mo- most of us make precious little of what is revealed for us in the scriptures. A few years ago, I went with two of our students from Montreat, uh, two of our students in our church over to Asheville to listen to a man who had suffered greatly for Jesus Christ in, in, in Romania. I shall never forget hearing that man tell of how he was once speaking the Christian message uh, to a group of Soviet soldiers, Russian soldiers, who had been born into a land that was utterly godless. They had never once read one single shred of scripture. They knew nothing about God, nothing about Christ. He told them the story of Jesus, and when he told them the story, they were enthralled by all that it meant that God had loved man so much that he was born in human flesh. And Pastor Vermbrand said that when he had got to the end of his message, they begged him for a copy of the Bible. But he had no Bible to give them, and so he took his own Bible and began to tear out page after page of the Bible and hand to each one of the Russian soldiers a page from Scripture. There was one Russian soldier who got only a page from the prophet Jeremiah he went off with his precious little page from the scriptures. And he looked at that page from Jeremiah, and he saw the name, Thus saith the word, of, the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. And he thought, Who is this fellow Jeremiah? I never read about him in Pravda. I never heard about him on the Soviet radio or television. Who is Jeremiah? He must not be a very important man. But then he read again, thus came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. And he thought, well, if the Lord would speak a word to this nobody whose name is Jeremiah, maybe he will speak a word to me. And so he said, okay, God, I am Nikolai. You have spoken to this Jeremiah who is a nobody. Will you speak to Nikolai who is nobody? And do you know what happened? He went back to Pastor Vermbrand and with his one little page from Jeremiah and the thought that God Almighty could be personal and speak to him a personal message, he found a personal Savior. And consciously, Jesus became Lord of his life. What do the scriptures mean to you? A stately church? A cushioned pew? What does it mean? Is it just a churchianity? Or is it a conscious lordship of Jesus, day after day following him in utter faithfulness? These wise men made diligent inquiry about this Jesus. They were neither ashamed of Christ, nor were they afraid of Herod. We are rapidly approaching a time in the history of our world when it well may be That we who are not ashamed of Jesus will be persecuted for Jesus' sake. Many are in this world today persecuted for Jesus. We have not yet hit that persecution, but it well may come to us. Will we be faithful to him? Will we be true to him? They were neither ashamed of Christ, nor were they afraid of Herod. They said, where is he? They didn't say, is he going to be born? They said, where is he? They were going to the place where he was. And so they came. And an unlikelier spot could never have been dreamt of. They came to Bethlehem. And here prophecy is again fulfilled. And God Almighty in his own incredible way turns around the way in which man thinks. And here his son had been born in a filthy, stinking stable In Bethlehem, a little town of no great significance. Dr. Graham mentioned a moment ago those great births that occurred in the early part of the 19th century. He talked about the birth of Abraham Lincoln in 1809. That February morning in which Lincoln was born, little Dennis Hanks, Nancy Hanks, a little brother, picked up this little baby And he remarked that his face was all wrinkled and red like cherry pulp. And then he handed him back to his mother. And he said, he'll never amount to much. (laughs) The men down at the general store talked about the crops and the weather. One of them said, is there any news? And one said, well, Nancy Hanks Lincoln gave birth to a little boy, but nothing ever happens around here. Nothing ever happened. Well, something great happened. Something great happened here, and they go then to this unlikely spot. They go to this place in Bethlehem, and here God brings wonderful things to pass. I love to think about how unusual God can work. Did you ever stop to think about uh, 19, in the 1920s? There was a man by the name of Frederick Banting. He had graduated from medical school. He had wanted to be a minister, but he had gone into medicine. He was not much of a speaker. And do you know what happened to him? He, was, he couldn't get any patients. The first month, he only earned $6. And he asked for permission to use a laboratory in a nearby uh, school. They gave him permission. He had so much time on his hands. No patients to look after. And he began to read old medical journals, and this set him to thinking. And you know what Sir Frederick Banting uh, did in Canada? He developed insulin, which brought relief to people who have the, the dreaded condition of diabetes, and up until that time, it was a wretched and miserable affair. But he brought to them, he brought to them great, comfort and great help and great healing. And it would have been considered a very unlikely looking place. And so these wise men were led to the stable. They were led to Bethlehem at least. And there, there they made inquiry about where he was. What do they do when they get to the place where Jesus is? It's interesting to me. They confess their faith in him. This is what Dr. Graham has done all over the world, is call people to a decision, force them to an encounter, an encounter in which they may confess Jesus as Lord. That's tremendously important. Romans 10 and 9 says, If thou shalt believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead and confess him with your mouth. You shall be saved. We are not saved just by osmosis. We do not inherit the new birth like we inherit the color of our eyes or our complexion. No, each one of us must individually make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And they make their confession of faith here. And their confession of faith is not simply with their lips, but also with their bodies. Here we have stood when we sung Christmas carols. Here we have bowed our heads and closed our eyes when we have prayed. Because with our bodies we want to present to God an attitude of reverence. These wise men, these kings, these learned brethren kneel down lowly and they worship Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? They knelt and they worshiped him. What a tremendous thing to have happen. And God satisfied their hungering hearts as he satisfies the old, the poor, or the wise who come in faith to him. Let me tell you one of my favorite Christmas stories. There was an old drunk on Skid Row up in New York in the Bowery section where it's awful, a derelict of no use to anyone. The day before Christmas, you know what he found on the street? He found a one-dollar bill. He picked up the dollar bill, and he thought, I can go get a jug of wine. I'll get my buddy. He walked by a sporting goods store. He looked in the Sporting Goods store and you know what he saw? He saw a baseball bat and beneath it was the price, one dollar. He thought about when he was a kid how he'd always wanted a baseball bat but he couldn't afford one and no one had ever given him one. He thought about what wine was doing to him and how he was ruining his life with alcohol. He thought about that little Salvation Army lady ringing the bell down on the corner. And singing the Christmas carols in Christ coming, he gritted his teeth and he wondered if perhaps he could not be a different man, if he could not present his body as a living sacrifice to God. So he passed by into the Sporting's Goods store and he purchased for a dollar the baseball bat. He resisted the temptation to take the wine. And he went down the street and he went to a precinct orphanage. He rang the doorbell. When the superintendent came, he said, "Here's a baseball bat. Always wanted one when I was a kid. Nobody ever gave me one. Give this to one of the boys here." The superintendent said, "Thank you. We got a kid here who's always slapping a ball around with a board. Hey, babe, come here." And Babe Ruth came and picked up his first baseball bat. Think about it. What can happen? What can happen at Christmas if we really give ourselves to Jesus Christ? They presented their bodies in an attitude of reverence to him. Have we made such an inquiry after Christ? If we haven't, we can. And we can yield ourselves to his lordship And we can give ourselves to his control. And that's my prayer at this Christmas time. That if you have not really received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the greatest gift you can ever give God is yourself. And the greatest gift God can ever give you is himself. And he's given you himself in Jesus Christ who came at Christmas Day. He came to change things and make them all different for us. Did you see the film Oliver Twist? Do you remember how Bill Sykes would take that slender, tiny little boy, Oliver, and he would poke him through a window so that he would go into a house and go and unbolt the front door so that Sykes, who was a burglar, could come in and steal what he wanted? Well, reverse all of that and make it good. And God took a little baby and he put him into the world. And that baby's name was Jesus. And he's unbolted the door of heaven so that we can come into heaven. And what do we present to him? We present to him our gifts. The wise men, the wise men came and they gave great gifts to him. They had to come further than the shepherds. They were longer in getting there. But when they got there, they brought a lot more with them. St. Paul talks about the saints in Caesar's household. St. Paul talks about a man on Mars Hill named Dionysius, a philosopher who is converted. There was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea who was a rich man who, when Jesus died, gave him a splendid tomb and gave many pounds of expensive ointment. Not many rich, or noble nobler called, but some are. The truly wise are humble enough to sense their need of him. The politicians may not, the international figures may not, the commercial people, the strikes between labor and industry may not, but for those who do, he reconciles them unto God. What is your journey to Jesus like? Have you journeyed to him And have you given yourself to his lordship? If you have not, you can give yourself to him right now. Let's bow in prayer. O God, our heavenly father, how grateful we are that Jesus came and how we do praise thee for his coming. We do ask, O God, our father, that thou wilt cause us to get over the little bit of religion we've had and get to Jesus and bring to Him all of our gifts. Not only confess Him with our lips and believe Him with our hearts, but yield up our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable worship for Him. Help us to get away from simple cultural Christianity and come back, O God, to a living faith and a reigning Savior who rules over us, As Lord and King, help us to do as the wise men. And if we have, O God, not yet come to the place where Jesus is, help us to make diligent inquiry. Help us to go, no matter if the voices ringing in our ears say that it's all. Help us to know that to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God and grant that any person here who has not received him shall mark down this Christmas season, 1973, as really the year of our Lord, in which he became Lord of life. In his name, amen.